0: In Luke twenty two, verses seven through twenty. Luke twenty two, we begin reading at verse seven. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover, that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished. There, make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, And he took bread, and gave thanks, and brake it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup, after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Thus far we read in the Holy Scriptures. <clears throat> the basis of this passage and the rest of God's word we have the Catechism's instruction concerning the sacrament of the Lord's Supper in Lord's Days 28 and 29. <clears throat> Beginning with question 75. Thou art thou admonished and assured in the Lord's Supper that thou art a partaker of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross and of all his benefits. Thus, that Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and to drink of this cup in remembrance of him, adding these promises, first, that his body was offered and broken on the cross for me, And his blood shed for me as certainly as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup communicated to me. And further, that he feeds and nourishes my soul to everlasting life with his crucified body and shed blood. As assuredly as I receive from the hands of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord. As certain signs of the body and blood of Christ. What is it then to eat the crucified body and drink the shed blood of Christ? It is not only to embrace with a believing heart all the sufferings and death of Christ and thereby to obtain the pardon of sin and life eternal, but also besides that to become more and more united to his sacred body by the Holy Ghost who dwells both in Christ and in us, so that we, though Christ is in heaven and we on earth, Are notwithstanding flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. And that we live and are governed forever by one spirit as members of the same body are by one soul. Now question 77 contains the words of institution as well as the Apostle Paul's commentary on those words. We will read those in the form. and So we'll pass on from question 77 to number 78. Do then the bread and wine become the very body and blood of Christ? Not at all. But as the water in baptism is not changed into the blood of Christ, neither is the washing away of sin itself, being only the sign and confirmation thereof appointed of God, so the bread in the Lord's Supper is not changed into the very body of Christ, though agreeably to the nature and properties of sacraments, it is called the body of Christ Jesus. Why then doth Christ call the bread his body and the cup his blood? Or the New Testament in his blood? And Paul, the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Christ speaks thus not without great reason. Namely, not only thereby to teach us that as bread and wine support this temporal life, so his crucified body and shed blood are the true meat and drink whereby our souls are fed to eternal life but more especially by these visible signs and pledges to assure us that we are as really partakers of his true body and blood by the operation of the Holy Ghost as we receive by the mouths of our bodies these holy signs in remembrance of him and that all his sufferings and obedience are as certainly ours as if we had in our own persons suffered and made satisfaction for our sins to God. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, though we are in the midst of a communion series on Psalm 103, yet providentially this communion Sunday we are up to Lord's Day 28 and 29 in the Catechism. And so I thought it fitting to consider these Lord's Days this morning before we come to the Lord's Supper. And that is fitting in light of what we have studied and reviewed in Lord's Days 25, 26, and 27. Particularly the the biblical idea of a sacrament. Sacraments are visible signs and seals. Visible words of God that communicate to us the message of the gospel in a way that meets our senses. And the sacraments as a means of grace that God uses to edify us and build up our faith. The sacraments are not things that work automatically. When we witness baptism or come to partake of the Lord's Supper, we are not like spiritual sponges that sit back in our chairs and simply absorb the benefits that God works by those sacraments simply by being here. That's not how the means of grace work. And that's not how the Christian faith works. We are not spiritual sponges that unthinkingly absorb But we are called to come and partake of the visible word that is set before us this morning. And we are are called to partake of it with an active, conscious, and understanding faith. And thus, a consideration very briefly of the meaning and significance of the Lord's Supper as summarized in Lord's Days 28 and 29 will help us come this morning with that understanding faith to profit from the Lord's Supper. So our theme this morning will simply be celebrating the Lord's Supper. What we're going to do is we're going to focus on three dimensions of the, the profit of the Lord's Supper. We're going to look at the fact that the Lord's Supper calls us to look back on a finished historical event that is the foundation of our salvation. We are to do this in remembrance of Christ. Secondly, we will note that the Lord's Supper is a sacrament that God uses to edify us here and now. It has real present benefit for us and that present benefit is communion with Christ and the strengthening of our faith in that communion with Christ. And then lastly, we will see that the Lord's Supper, though it looks back, And though it is of real present benefit for us, is also a supper that looks forward with eager anticipation. Remembrance. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, He indicated to His disciples and to the church throughout the New Testament age that it would be a supper of remembrance. Remembrance. Jesus said, as he instituted the supper, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And that is foundational. That is fundamental to the Lord's Supper. If we miss that, we miss everything. Because everything that the Lord's Supper is. And all that it represents to us. And the benefit that the Lord applies to us by it. Is all rooted in the one historical event that we are called to remember. The passion. The suffering of our our Lord Jesus Christ. From the beginning of his incarnation to its culmination at his crucifixion, at the cross of Calvary. Remember Christ and all that he has done. Remembrance in the the biblical sense means a whole lot more than a passive recalling of some fact. Sometimes when we remember, we're not even really thinking about the thing that we remember. We're going throughout our day and then suddenly a thought dawns upon us and we recall something. It's a a passive thing. That's not the idea of remembrance in this biblical sense. Rather, remembrance is an intentional, a conscious, a purposeful holding of something in the mind. Holding it in the forefront of my mind. Harboring it and cherishing it in my heart. That's the idea. Do this in remembrance of me. Hold me in your mind. Hold what I have done in your heart. That is what Jesus is saying. Think of what it means when, early in the Bible, it says that when Noah was in the ark, tossed about on the turbulent waves of the great flood, God remembered Noah. It meant that God held Noah and his family in his mind, in the forefront of his mind. Or when the Bible says that God remembers his covenant. It's not that a thought suddenly pops into God's mind now and then. A thought about his covenant and his people. No, it means that God holds his covenant ever in the forefront of his mind. Holds his people in his divine heart. And is ever faithful to them. Is ever mindful of them. And everything that he does, he does with purpose for their benefit. That's remembrance. And Jesus says, this do in remembrance of me not just now but all your life hold christ in your mind in your heart and then live live christ as paul said in philippians 1 for me to live is christ that's the christian life and the lord's supper is given to us as a means of grace as a powerful help in the christian life to put Christ in the forefront of our mind, to put Christ in our heart so that we live Christ, live all of life in light of Christ, live all of life before the face of Christ, live all of life for the glory of Christ, my Lord and my Savior. This do in remembrance of me as we prepare to do this. The word of the gospel brings to our minds and brings to our hearts all that Christ has done. Let your mind go from the beginning of His incarnation to the culmination, His crucifixion at Calvary. His lifelong suffering. His bearing of The wrath of the Holy One under which we poor sinners should have perished everlastingly. His being bound that very night that He instituted this supper that we might be freed from our sins. His suffering of innumerable reproaches that we might never be confounded. He... The innocent one being unjustly condemned to death. That we the guilty might justly be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. Him who took upon himself the curse due to us and was made a curse for us. Dying the death of the cross. In which death, hell and all of its fury was compressed. That we might never be accursed. Remember, ponder, hold that in your mind, cherish it in your heart. Remember and believe. That's the idea. Remember and believe. Not the way we might recall the historical facts that we've learned in school or in history class. But remember in a personal way. This Christ who did all this. Who wrought salvation. Who gave his life for sinners. Gave his life for me. For me. He suffered his whole life for me. He took my sins Every single one of those sins that I saw in this week of self-examination. The weight of my sinful nature that I wrestle with day by day. He took that all upon himself and nailed it to the cross. To set me free. To give me life. To bring forgiveness to me. To give me a place in His kingdom. Remember. Remember. The Lord's Supper is a memorial. It's not a mere memorial. But it is a memorial. It's a memorial to the finished work of Jesus Christ. That aids us in keeping ever in remembrance the wonderful work of God's grace. Just like the Passover. In the place of which the Lord's Supper is given to the church in the New Testament. The Passover in the Old Testament was a memorial. It was an annual remembrance. A collective, communal remembrance of the people of Israel. Remembering, holding in the forefronts of their minds. Pondering, cherishing in the heart what God had done for them. Delivering them from the wretched bondage of Egypt. That's what the Lord's Supper is for us. It's a memorial. A memorial that summons to a deep, personal remembrance. A pondering of the significance of Christ's life and his death. And a celebration. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. A celebration together of what Jesus has done for me and has done for us and has done for all who believe in his name and are chosen unto life everlasting in the good counsel of our god it's a memorial a beautiful rem- memorial that glorifies god and edifies us that that's the two those are the two goals of every religious exercise of every spiritual exercise in the church and in our individual Christian lives, the glory of God, and my edification, and in that order. That's part of why the Lord commands us to partake of the Lord's Supper. It's a command because the Lord's Supper is a special act of worship. When we come together as a congregation, and we sit at the Lord's table together we come together and we raise a memorial to god's name a memorial of praise to him for his great work of salvation that's why the apostle paul says in 1 corinthians eleven twenty six, 26 as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup ye do show the lord's death till he come it's an act of worship in which we adore the god who supplies all our need This do in remembrance of me. Now, the Catechism explains in great detail the symbolism and the significance of all of the elements of the sacrament the bread, the wine, the giving of the bread and wine, the taking and the eating of it. And all of the elements of the sacrament serve this remembrance of Christ and his work. Jesus says in Luke 22, As he holds the bread, this is my body which is given to you. This bread represents my body. What a suitable picture it is. For bread is the staff of life. We need our daily bread in order that we may live our daily lives. Bread nourishes us, but before bread can be nourishing, there must be death. The seed falls to the ground and dies. The wheat that grows from that seed is cut down. The grains are ground up and baked. The bread is broken. And all of that shows us that the nourishing blessings of salvation come to us only through the atoning death, the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the same is true of the wine. The wine begins as those berries, the grapes which are picked, which are pressed which are crushed before that red wine flows and mixes itself together and makes glad the heart of man. The joy of the Christian, our joy, comes to us only through the passion and the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who gave his life and poured out his soul unto death, that he might rejoice our hearts. Through the atoning work of Christ, salvation, spiritual nourishment, life comes to us. And it comes to us not just as an, not as an offer, not as something that we have to go out and get for ourselves, but it comes to us from the very hand of God, from the gracious hand of our Savior. And that's part of the significance of the sacrament too. As Jesus says, this is my body which is given for you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. The sacrament assures us. Because in the words of institution, Jesus Christ addresses the believer and says, I gave my body for you. Not just for others, but for you. I shed my blood. For you. Just as really and just as certainly now as you receive with your own hand and partake with your own mouth this bread that is broken and this wine that is poured out. Salvation is given. The benefits of Christ are given. They're not earned, they're given. A gift. And the sacrament presses. That beautiful reality upon our hearts. This do in remembrance of me. And our hearts then expand with awe do they not. As we contemplate all that Christ has done. All the benefits that he earned for us. And that they are freely given to us. Unworthy sinners. Merely of grace. That's what this table shows us. That's the visible word, the bread and wine speaks to us. And so the Lord's Supper has us look back. Jesus says, This do in remembrance of me. And that remembrance of the finished work of Christ is the foundation for all of the profit of the Lord's Supper for us. But now, as we come remembering our Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done, the present benefit of the Lord's Supper is rich communion with our Savior and with one another. The Lord's Supper is often called Holy Communion, and that for good reason. As we do this in remembrance of Him, we enjoy real communion with Him. The Lord's Supper is instituted by God as a means of grace. It is a tool in the hand of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uses it to work in us. The Holy Spirit uses it to apply the grace of God to us. The Holy Spirit uses it to deepen our communion with Christ and to enrich. The experience of that communion with Christ. You notice. It's quite a statement that we find. In question and answer 76 of the catechism. When after it explains. That we eat the crucified body and drink the shed blood of Christ by faith. We do so by embracing with a believing heart all of the sufferings and death of Christ. But also, besides that, here's what the Holy Spirit works. To become more and more united to his sacred body by the Holy Ghost who dwells both in Christ and in us. So that we, though Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, are notwithstanding flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. The catechism there is describing something mysterious. When the Lord's Supper is celebrated and the believing congregation comes to sit at the Lord's table there is a mysterious but a very real meeting of Christ and his people at the table. The Lord's Supper is an act of communion with our risen and our ascended savior. Jesus Christ is the host. Of every Lord's Supper. Yes, though He is in heaven and we are on earth. Yes, though His flesh, His human body, His human nature is absent from us, it is in heaven. Yet, nonetheless, Jesus is truly and really present at the Supper through His Holy Spirit. His presence is not such that the bread and wine transform into His body and blood. His presence is not such that there is some mysterious presence of His physical nature, His human nature here. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Catechism explains that. But there is a very real spiritual presence. Christ is here by His Spirit. And by His Spirit, He communicates Himself. So that the benefits pictured in the bread and wine are communicated to us by the work of the Spirit. Christ draws near and draws us near to Him. The Spirit works, deepening that intimate union that we have with our Savior. That intimate bonding of the believing soul with Christ, its head. The Spirit works to bring that spiritual nourishment pictured by the bread and wine. Communion is deepened. And enriched. And that resonates with experience, does it not? When we come to the Lord's Supper. We come with an active, understanding faith. We meet Christ. We meet Christ. And we fellowship with Him. And we enjoy His riches. We taste and see that He is good. And our souls are knit the more tightly to their Redeemer, to whom we belong, body and soul. We are more and more united to His sacred body. And one of the fruits of that, then, is that we are more and more deeply united. To the other members of his sacred body. There is vertical communion at this table. And flowing out of that vertical communion is the horizontal communion. One of the fruits of partaking of the Lord's Supper together. Is that the communion of the saints is deepened and enriched. As we commune at the same table with the same Lord. The Lord's Supper should lead to the beautiful fruit of increased Christian love and peace in the body of Christ. It should not be that we come to the Lord's Supper perhaps the way children come to the dinner table after they've been squabbling all day. Maybe they, they, put, they put aside their squabble and put on a face for a moment so that they can eat supper and not get in trouble with mom and dad. But as soon as they leave the table, they're back to squabbling and fighting again. Let that not be the case in the church. Where members don't really lay aside their squabbles, don't lay aside their strife, but they put on a face, they come to the table, and they go straight back to fighting, straight back to division, straight back to their enmity with one another. You know what that says about the Lord's Supper when we do that? But let us come, hearty love for our Savior which generates a hearty love for one another. and Let us leave the table seeing how insignificant our earthly conflicts and squabbles are in light of who we are, in light of what our Savior has done for us. This sacrament serves to build us up together as the body of Christ, because it helps us see clearly, it helps us see all of life clearly, and we see all of life clearly, when we see it in remembrance of Christ, in light of what Christ has done, in light of who we are in Christ. Let us come in that spirit, and let us go from the table in that spirit, enjoying communion with Christ, which overflows into strengthened. Communion and love for one another. Now lastly this morning. Having seen that the Lord's Supper is to be done in remembrance of Christ. And that remembrance is the foundation. In the present the Lord's Supper is a rich feast of real communion with our Savior. In which our communion with him is deepened and enriched. And our fellowship with one another deepened and enriched. We see that this same supper also points us ahead. Points us ahead. The Lord's Supper looks to the future. We celebrate it in remembrance. But we celebrate it also in anticipation. Anticipation of the communion and life to come. Already when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. He was looking forward. Luke 22 verse 17. And He took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. As Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper His mind went not only to the culmination of his passion that would take place the very next day. But his mind went all the way to the end. The end of the age. The day of his coming. When he would return and gather his people to himself. And bring them to the Lord's table in the kingdom of heaven. The Father's table in the Father's house. What Revelation 19 refers to as the great wedding feast of the Lamb. And Jesus is looking forward to that with anticipation of sitting down with the entirety of His redeemed church. And drinking of the fruit of the vine anew with them in the kingdom of heaven. The Lord's Supper as we celebrate it today is not... The Last Supper. Sometimes we call the Lord's Supper the Last Supper because it was Jesus' last supper in his state of humiliation. But it's not really the Last Supper. The last, the final supper, is the supper with Christ in his state of exaltation. The great wedding feast of the Lamb. And that's what this supper points to. That's the supper guaranteed to us because of what the Lamb of God has done for us. His work on the cross has given us a seat at the wedding feast of the Lamb. And when we come to the Lord's Supper this morning, the sign and seal of the Lord's Supper also assures us of that. That, as certainly as we sit at this table, we will sit at that table in the kingdom to come. What anticipation, what a pledge, what an encouragement. And so come, remember and believe, come and commune, taste. And catch a glimpse of the kingdom to come and adore your Savior. Amen.